Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. All right, you ready? Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You ready, Andy? Yes, ready. Ish. <laughs> All right, let's get started then. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve, and here with me is Andy. Hey. And we got Kevin. Hey now. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, this is episode number 166. Welcome to RC Flight. Welcome to it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this is going to be about. Welcome to probably. what? All the nonsense? No. <laughs> probably flying. Welcome to the most fabulous hobby. Welcome kiss to all your, the drama. <laughs> kiss, yeah, kiss your extra money goodbye. Yes, no extra money from now on. And <laughs> and, and, and an absorbent amount of increase in debt. I don't know. <laughs> Uh-huh. All right. You really shouldn't be going into debt in this hobby. You should uh, not buy it if you can't afford it. Look at that. Sure, We're I've been doing it all wrong. Start already. You have been doing it all wrong. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> all right. Let's let's check in with everyone's week first. Uh, who'd like to go first? Andy, want to go first? Sure. I'll right. go first. Uh, I told you I was ordering the Blade 230s for Tima. That yes. come in today, nice. so I got to set it up. I uh, put it on a new DX7 and uh, sort of played around with it. Put a couple flights on it. It it's uh, like you guys said, super easy to set up and get going. But I had a problem. Oh, I yeah. got it already, and it was like it was locked into safe mode. So I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I went back through the transmitter, checking everything really, really good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had everything the way it should be by the book. Then I noticed that the auxiliary two channel was tied to the knob. Just, I guess that's just the default for a blank heli model and spectrum. And the knob was turned all the way one way. Mm. So as soon as I centered that, everything started working properly. Hmm. So, why chan- auxiliary two channel locks it into safe mode all the time? I don't understand or know why, but it did. Huh, so that-, that that was a little bit of a head scratching to try to figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Uh, but once I got that figured out, I put a couple flights on it, and I got to say I was super duper impressed with how well the tail holds. Yeah, nice. right. Isn't it like, insane? It's yeah, it's pretty good. Would you think you know, that the was, uh, the the first flight mode, the normal mode, the basic like the self leveling, you know, mode? It's kind of weird, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like a, it really is like a quad, mm-hmm. like a you know a normal quad in uh, the stability mode or whatever they call that. Yep. Yeah, not the acro. Uh, but of course there wasn't any wind here, so it. It was fine. Like you could move it around very easy to land, take off. I did do the pitch curve kind of in normal. I did a normal mode Mm -hmm. and I do the pitch curve like 30, 40, 50, and then 75, 100. Mm -hmm. Because I don't like spooling stuff up to have all that negative pitch in it. Or if you go to spool it down. 
So I'd already kind of, that's my normal way of doing that. Mm-hmm. After playing around with it now and seeing how the spool out, spool up does just clicking out a throttle hold, I might just totally get rid of the normal mode. I don't really think it's necessary. Yeah. It spools up gently enough and it's not an issue. Just put a, like a moderate uh, flat or maybe a V curve for the the lowest flight mode, the normal mode. Because uh, it's just kind of a bad habit, I think, to get in spooling up from low stick. Because as soon as you get into normal helis like we all use, nobody uses a normal mode anyway. So I don't, I don't really see the use for it. I think it'd be better to just get in the habit of clicking out a throttle hold to spool up. I think there are still a few pretty good pilots that uh, use normal mode. Really? I think Gina told me she uses it. Yeah. But um, I have I, one on my gas or just oh, right, so I right. can, th- you know, warm up the engine and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But yep, I never really nitro. fly in it. Yeah. But you know what? I'm thinking more than I think about it. The normal mode and the setup that they recommend is probably because even if you're an older experienced pilot or or new guy, you, you really don't want to hit throttle hold like we're saying because of that tail. So, I mean, I guess it's for more of a gradual, I can land under power type thing and not be fully, and like you said, not not a lot of negative. Well, yeah, but like you just land, like I was landing in idle too, so you just touch down and then click the throttle hold. Mm-hmm. So, right, but I mean, you're an experienced pilot, so maybe somebody who isn't that experienced well, experience would, wouldn't be used to hitting it and, uh, yeah, you know, hit throttle hold and landing. Yeah, that's a good point. Possibly. I, I mean, I don't know. They would just pull the throttle down as soon as they touch the ground. Yeah, that's a valid point, Kevin. You might be right. Um, but yeah, I was doing backwards flight, doing funnels, nice. hurricanes and stuff. Uh, and it you know, holds it's, it. it's slow and it underpowered, it. Mm-hmm. but the dang gone tail was holding. It surprised me. I'll just it say really that. Did. I've yeah. never had a motor driven tail heli that the, would, you know, hold at all it just as yeah. soon as you went backwards or did anything right rudder is just like yep. pfft, wouldn't just, do anything yep wash it right out yeah what do you think of those plastic blades and uh the the power like punching out either positive or negative you, you find any <sighs> yeah i did a couple of those, those just to see and on this one it did feel like the negative was a little bit slower than the positive so i'll probably go in and maybe tweak the travels for the pitch to even that up okay and it it's i mean i don't really know what to compare it to yes it's slower but it didn't seem extra slow right so i've i got some uh 40c gens ace 800s for it so i mean you can tell the the motor bogs a little bit but you know it's slower but it didn't feel terrible to me but i did detect maybe the the negative punch out was slightly slower than the positive it's kind of okay. hard to tell yeah uh, i know you you mentioned you kind of thought that and steve kind of thought it didn't it it felt like it to me that the negative was just a little bit slower well, Steve explained it as the plastic blades, probably. 
Yeah, but you get that positive or negative. So yeah. it should be the same. And it was, you know, it wasn't really off center when you were flying upright either. You know, I didn't feel like I was giving it overly positive or overly negative. It felt good, yeah. you know. No, I agree. I think center, I think zero pitch is fine. I wonder if it wouldn't benefit to add a little bit of travel to the negative, you know, just just a few points Mm -hmm. or something. Or if that doesn't work, maybe take a couple points out of the positive. It's not bad, and it could be identical. It just felt a little slower to me. And the punch outs both ways are not crazy fast. And like we said, due to the blades and Right, the small battery and the motor and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, but you know, I was very impressed with the way it flies. Cool. So it, I think she's going to be tickled with that, and that nice. normal mode and that self leveling for someone that's a beginner like her, I think that'll be very beneficial as far as taking off and landing, mm-hmm. just because uh, you can basically just kind of let go of the the cyclic and just slowly bring the collective down. It it kind of stays in one spot unless it's of course, if it's a super windy or something. So I think it'll be good. I definitely, after flying it, agree with our summary that it's probably the best first beginner helicopter out there right now. I can't think of anything that would beat it as far as a first heli. Cool. Nice Uh, dude. Yeah. So, uh, Piddled around on a little bit of stuff, getting ready for Birmingham. I took the pipe off my gasser and resealed it. It was leaking a little bit. Uh, that wasn't a big deal. Put one flight on it, and it all seems fine. So it's ready to go. What do you use to seal it? Is it a paper gasket or a rubber gasket nah, I'm or using RTV? The, uh, the ultra copper RTV mm-hmm. yep. stuff. So I'm going to try that. Like I, I had some, it, it was dry for a long time. It just yeah. finally was leaking a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Peeling around. Cool. What about you? I can go next. Uh, dude, I, we went to the, uh, night fun fly that our club had and it was a blast, man. I had a great freaking time. It was a good day, man. It was really good nice day it was you know in the 40s and it wasn't really super cold but it was you know very you know clear nice day i uh flew the uh, 690 for about a minute and i was freaking tooling around and i i wound up getting in a bad orientation and i hit rescue but it still went in pretty good and uh yeah mctoon was right next to me at one point and he's like uh he goes yeah i i you know, you had plenty of room to hit rescue. And I said, I hit it. And he goes, yeah, and I, I heard it, but it didn't do anything. And uh, so I don't know if there's an issue with the Neo, but uh, I had most of the parts. I think I got to order maybe four things, but I had like a crash kit ready to go. But it was, um, I was trying the in- inverted, you know, reverse flying and mm-hmm. uh, kind of came around. And then I was kind of pushing it. I would, I claimed that the neck strap was too tight and kind of cut the blood off to my head a little bit. <laughs> so I kind of blacked out for Damn, that's a good excuse. It is, right? <laughs> but uh no. It was it was you know, it was all good. And I flew to Oxy Four a little more after that and uh had some good flights on that, just tooling around with that and you know, um 
then we had the night flying man and i had my night radiant i had two versa wings and i had that big blue foe thing with all the lights in it that was cool uh-huh. mm-hmm. and yeah we had a, we had a lot of fun man at one point we had three radiants up in the air and um uh-huh. steve will tell his story about his crazy flight on that oh my god um but the radiant flew great man and it was it was just it was really cool man i enjoyed myself a lot mike d was there and uh you know uh eric was there and uh steve of course was there and bill the mcclellans it was cool yeah i had a good time yeah nice but dude i'm guys it was great i'm listening to last week's podcast man and we are going we gotta apologize to the listeners because we're going back and forth about you know bank one bank two and bank three it took it took me to listen to our podcast another time for me to get it straight in my head that bank one is usually your normal mode if you're starting out or this Mm -hmm. new helicopter and then bank two is your idle one and idle two which completely confuses me or confused me for a long time like why is why is normal mode normal mode and why i mean idle it's idle seems weird of a of a way to call that i mean because it's it's called idle up so you're idling up to a certain rpm Okay, all right. That's a better way to pull it, put it because but we know, just we call me, it idle one, idle two, but that doesn't mean yeah, that doesn't make right. sense. But if you call it but idle, idle up one, is idle like yeah. you know something sitting there idling, not right. like eighty five percent head speed and one hundred percent speed. You know, yeah. So um, I, we were kind of all over the place, but uh, I think Steve, you straightened it out towards the end. Yeah, because um, we're, we're we're mix matching bank one, two, and three, and then normal mode and idle one, idle two, and it's like no, no, we got to stick to one. You can't switch back yeah. and forth because it gets confusing. So um, so I I've been working on the uh, the sim a little more. I've been crashing a little more on the sim, but I'm I'm getting into some pretty crazy stuff and just enjoying the sim. And uh, I today I was downstairs with the blue foe. I painted that thing with fluorescent paint. I wanted to put some UV LEDs on it, so I did that. Nice. I got a couple more LED um, things to do. I wanted to make like tail lights on the, on a couple of the pieces, so I'm kind of doing some tail lights. I want to do some uh, blinky lights, that kind of stuff. More blinky lights. And, Are you gonna uh, put the tail lights where when you go to low throttle they kick on? No, it's just uh, I guess they're they're tail lights, but they're they're parking lights. They're not brake lights. But uh, no, that wouldn't be a bad idea. It'd be kind of neat, I guess. But I got so much shit going on on that thing. It, <laughs> it was cool. It was it was a lot of fun, and it flew great, man. I gotta say, like I wasn't sure about elevator trim on that thing. I wasn't too sure about CG. I was kind of had an idea, and Tony has a smaller one, Guide Our Club, and he was like, "The CG really it it matters, but you just get it around the right spot, it'll fly no matter what." Mm-hmm. So so that's what I did, man. And I kind of angled the elevator up a little bit. It's Elevon mixing. So I angled the elevator up slightly on takeoff. But that's kind of where I just, you know, had it at its middle state. So I, I kind of didn't set it that way. I just like, all right, it's middle. I'll, I'll fly it and I'll see what happens. And I launched that thing, man, and it took off. And I didn't have to trim anything. I was shocked. Wow. I was doing a little nice. trim the next flight, I think, because I moved the battery back a little further. Uh, for some reason or forward, I don't remember. I think forward. I moved it. It pitched up on th- on like full throttle, but you know what? That's not. It's not a three D machine. It's like something to tool around with, put on a light show, and have a good time. It flies great, man. It's nice. It's a nice plane that uh, Jim put together. So that's all I've been up to. What about you, Steve? 
Uh, let's see. So, kind of working all over the place. Let's see here. F- Flu Saturday. It was kind of oh, shit, dude. Yeah, I should have said <laughs> Friday night. I came over and yeah, we put together that motor. Sorry, we're all about that for the uh, logo. Yep, that's almost ready to go. Almost. I got comments about that, of course. Uh, so I, flew, <laughs> I flew Saturday. Like, sorry. So I arrived at the field around like, I don't know, like three or four o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And yeah, you know, I pulled I pulled a couple of Goblin 500 flights. I did uh, uh, the Black Nitro. We flew that. You know, I flew it once and I think Devin flew it once and um, Bill wanted to give some slow motion video. So, so that video is out, which is awesome. Uh, let's see here. I, so it was kind of getting dusk out and I was like, okay, it's time to fly the night radian. So I flew it and then I sold it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I flew it and it was fine, but like, I don't know. I'm, I'm an idiot. So like, I'm like, screw it. I can't get the, the switch working with the mini V bar. The mini V bar doesn't program like the Neos. It's a little bit different. And especially with the V control touch, you don't have the customization that I, that I've come get, I've come to be you like um used to i guess from the old v control and the v plane so right so it's kind of different and i was like all right you know what it doesn't matter i brought my dx9 i have some additional receivers so i'll just put it onto that and i did but like i don't know what's going through my head maybe because the last plane i set up on that dx9 i put like 70 percent expo because it was a 3d plane so i I ended up dialing like 50 percent expo which was way too much on that plane and it was like nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay, a whole lot of control service. <laughs> nothing, nothing, How nothing. Much expo? Oh, like fifty percent, and like, wow. Yeah. I don't know. I just because I don't know. I just I was pulled an idiot moment. Just wasn't thinking. And I was like, <laughs> let me just dial up expo so it's nice and smooth. Yeah, it was real smooth. You don't then, even need any expo. With yeah, you really don't. It was really smooth until I really wasn't smooth. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I ended up getting it like out. Past like our field is like a bowl, like it's covered, you know, in all four ways with tree line, and like I flew it on the far far left and behind the trees, and so like I saw the lights cutting in and out because there was basically tree branches that are like blocking the light, and I'm just and like I hear Rob next to me like pitch up, pitch up, and I'm like I am, I am, <laughs> like I, I'm you trying. know, I'm trying, you know, so I. It was just like, okay, and I got I got it. I was starting to fly it around. I was able to fly it with the 50% Expo, but on Bank 3, like on a full rates, because at that point I was getting decent resolution or whatever, decent control surface resolution. So it was fine, and then I landed it, and I was just like, I don't find this fun. It's boring <laughs> to me. What am I going to do? Even Even drunk, I think I'd be really, really bored of this. So I was like, whatever, and, and you know, Bill was like, Oh man, I need to get one of those. I was like, yeah, it's for sale if you want it. And he's like, you sure? I was like, yeah. So I sold it to him. Hey, Kevin, wait till the uh, heli fest when you, me, Bill are all flying around having fun. And Steve's like, oh man, I wish I could join in. Nope. I'll join him. <laughs> I'll join him with a QQ, Cap 32, whatever. There you go. That's, I think that's going to be more my speed. Yeah, so it's so, and you know what? I, I need. It's it. funny because I heard you say, uh, "You want to buy it?" to somebody as I was walking by, and I was laughing. I was like, "Oh man!" <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's it's okay though because um, 
I'll, I'll kind of go into it, but I cleaned up my garage a little, and, and I'm in, like, right now I'm in, like, destroy and throw away mode. So, like, yeah, I wouldn't have probably thrown that away, but I would have definitely gotten rid of it, you know, sooner or later. So, it's yeah. fine. Someone wanted it, and... And you know it's going to it's going to a home it's going to someone that wants some you know wants it, not me. Where it's like I want it for today, and then tomorrow I'm like no no what did I do? Why did I buy this? Um, all right. So beyond that, it got dark out, and we started seeing some awesome night flying. Your blue fo XL that thing looks amazing in person on the camera. It kind of washes out, but it looks really good when you're flying that thing. I mean, it's super slow. And I would never buy it just because I think I, I'd get bored of it quick. But um, it did it was, look um, really nice, you know. It didn't look too bad on the camera. I thought your camera picked it up actually nicer than I've seen the iPhone cameras pick up something at night like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the newer iPhones do a little bit better with the night light, like the you know night yeah recording. But it it still has trouble focusing, and that's the part that's like annoying to me. It's like in and out of focus. Yeah. But um. It was funny, dude, because I have so many lights on that thing. Uh, I was coming in maybe 10 feet off the runway, and you could see the light reflecting on the runway. Mm-hmm. Pretty bright. It was uh, cool. pretty cool, man. Yeah. Uh, so I did get a chance to fly my Goblin 700 Cop Thundersport Nightbird. That's a mouthful. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It needs to be tuned. I get a little bit of a head wobble. You know, I don't know if it's because of the... Like the setup or what, but I get a little bit of a head wobble. It's not no big deal. I mean, I fly through it, but I've noticed that when I try to do like collective changes of like positive and negative, I see a little wobble that I need to tune out. So I got to work on that. Dude, I want to say that like a couple of club members, I think that was the first time they'd ever seen a night heli fly like that. Oh, yeah? Because uh, Mike was blown away. Yeah, I know Mike was like, wow, <laughs> that looks Who so was the cool. other guy, Frank, who was there? I don't like know. Frank was the other guy. Okay, with his, with his nephews or his, his grandkids or. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank, yeah, Frank Jones, I think. Yeah, Frank, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was it. Was impressive, man. Nice. You did a good job. Yeah, I mean, I took it easy, and I was just like, "Let me get yeah. used to this again." And I flew like uh, I think I flew three flights before leaving, but it was cool. It was fun. It was good to fly at night again. It's it's that whole thing that like landing always scares me because like you can't really see where you're landing like you just kind of yeah. come down and oh there's the ground <laughs> you know and yeah. one thing I noticed that I you know it's it's funny because I I noticed how light the helicopter started getting when I got the black thunder um, and then like you know I got like the black nitro and all this stuff and it's like I you know I really forgot how heavier the the seven hundred comp is because when I hit throttle hold that thing falls. Like, it doesn't, oh, like, really? float as easy, and maybe because I'm running, like, I'm used to running 710s, and I'm running 690, uh, you know, night blades, or just being that they're night blade, you know, and there's just more weight for the battery and, you know, all the other crap that I have on there. Right. But um, I had throttle hold, and that thing kind of felt like a rock. I was like, ooh, I wasn't ready for that, <laughs> especially at night, because I couldn't see the ground either, so it fell, and it didn't break anything, but it kind of, like, bounced on the runway a little, did a little truffle shuffle, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, came home and everything came home in one piece. I did clean the garage a little and, and I know that's not really RC related, but it is because my garage is all RC pretty much. Um, but yeah, uh, I have to say bye to the FT edge. I basically ripped all the servos and the, uh, not Neo, but the mini V bar and everything that was in there and threw that away. Um, 
That that lasted two flights, I think. <laughs> I was going to say, how many times did you fly that? Two, I think I brought it out once, and it had two flights, and I broke the motor off of it, and I never glued it back on, oh, and never bothered. Ugh. And then just just overall, like I have all this other crap that's RC kind of related, but that's old old stuff. And so I just kind of started filtering through some of the stuff that, if I haven't touched it in like three years, and I don't think I have a use for it, it just went in the garbage. Um, you know, just little mm-hmm. things like little RC, you know, plane stuff that I just don't use anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, Friday we did work on the Glogo. Yep. And pretty much everything is like the motors installed, the motors rebuilt. We installed the motor, installed the gas tank, and then noticed that we don't have a clunk. Uh, this is like kind of funny to me. I, I don't understand. It's kind of weird that like it didn't come with a clunk. I don't know if it was a mistake or, you know, it could be, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. Why wouldn't it come with a clunk? Well, at one point when I got up, uh, I hit my head on the table. That was a clunk, but that wasn't the one we were looking no, for. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you just tie a small pebble to the end of the hose and stick it in there? I guess we could have done that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we could have just stuck a hose in there to like and fuel it up and get like, you know, to just just get the motor started, make sure that like everything's okay. But nah, well, so I know I told Kevin, I was like, "Dude, Susie, go home, <laughs> order, a cl- <laughs> order." Yeah, a I ordered one. So uh, can't remember who I ordered it from, but I did order one. I ordered something else too, along with it. Uh, I think I went to Shannon, only fine helis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I, I think we were that. simming or something. And you're like, and I was mm-hmm. like, order the clock. You're like, okay, I'm I'm ordering it, and I think you said Shannon had it in stock. Yeah. I was also drinking though, which is a dangerous combination. Drinking and me being on the internet ordering yeah, stuff. Any kind of drinking and shopping is dangerous. dangerous. <laughs> uh, so hopefully we'll get that soon and uh, we'll be able to wrap that logo up because it's almost been a month now. That's way too long. <laughs> yeah, it should have been done like, I don't know, three and a half weeks ago. Yeah. You said you yeah. had some comments on that. Well, I just don't mm-hmm. understand the whole mixing clunk thing. It's like, I don't know if Matt was like, Mikado, you gonna, here's the gas tank and the shroud, you handle the rest, or, you know, or Mikado's like, hey, you gave me a gas tank without a clunk. I don't know. I don't know who's supposed to supply it. I would guess Mikado would figure it out, but I don't know why they did it. I don't know why you get a helicopter and you don't have a clunk. I just feel like, you know, maybe they're rushing things and it was just yeah. missed. That could happen, but that, you know, that's quality control, like... I don't know. I'm to me like quality control is from the first kit to the last kit you sell. It should not be. Oh, we're getting better. It should be there. Like it's not. You know, it's not this company's first helicopter they've ever produced. You know. Well, I didn't see. I didn't see the clunk in the manual, but you're right. I mean, it should come with one. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I can understand. Like, I yeah, I don't know. I've never gotten a. I mean, I've never gotten a nitro that didn't have a clunk. You know, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I just would presume that it would be there with the kit. And I don't know if it's just a mess up. Like it could be, you know, all the kids could have them except for this one for some reason. Yeah. And, you know, it's not the end of the world, but I just thought it was, it was weird. And my comment is that the quality control is just not there. You know, we did have a problem with one of the links too. Right. I mean, it was just like not threaded. Right. And we had to right. figure out yeah. another solution. I think we used an SAP link or whatever. It was almost yeah. like the threads were, just cylindrical around it. Like, yeah, it like it wasn't like, cut right. Oh, the metal part, the, yeah. the threads weren't rolled in correctly. Yeah. Right. 
you know and it's like how would you even know right like as a company you don't so but it's it's still kind of like part of that whole um quality control from from the production to you know boxing to shipment like, well are the links and all that stuff is it any different than the 690 i don't think so oh that's the same so they've yeah. been yeah. making and shipping those for yeah years. it's just uh, it's just who you get it from i mean uh I was programming devices today. I have 16 of these network devices that I had to program today at work. And I noticed that one of the Ethernet connectors, the yellow and the green LEDs were switched. And I'm like, well, there's quality control for you right there. I, mean, <laughs> I see it. Yeah. I see it like everywhere. And that's a FLIR camera. That's a FLIR. Like yeah, they're the expensive they're high camera, end yeah. stuff, man. And yeah. it, I think it's just, you know, the heat, they're not making the actual links you know mm-hmm. they're just yeah getting them bone stock and you know but or in bulk uh-huh. i should say yeah and, and like i said it's probably just like you know they like the company like mikado wouldn't know like no. I, I don't hold them responsible for the link i do hold them responsible for the clunk but not for the link right yeah. you know some well, some manufacturer yeah, in china's for- producing a thousand of them and they're just buying them bulk like yeah that's how you know one's gonna be messed up you don't you can't quality check every single link that's that's ridiculous but you can make sure that there's a clunk in that kit. That's not ridiculous. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny, dude. We, we we had a missing clunk, but we had an extra tail slider. Yeah, like, like an tail extra tail lever. Slider. Yeah, it was just like, it was, I don't know. And, and, you know, this kit was kind of rushed, I think, at the end because they were promising a month or two months earlier than the actual release date. It was, it was a month, right, I think? It was mid-January, yeah. I think, when we heard that we were getting it or started shipping. And I think yep. they said mid-December was supposed to release. So, like, yeah, they're a month late already. And, you know, and I'm sure that they're feeling the pressure of the customers to get those kits out. And, um, you know, it got missed. But you know, that's what it is, I guess. So, dude, speaking of only fine helis, now, I ordered uh, the clunk and I ordered some 360 blades just for the Oxy-4, mm-hmm. just so I could have a spare. Yeah. I get uh, I get an email from Shannon directly saying, uh I went to pull the blades, and the box was open, and there was no blades in it. He says he looked everywhere. And I guess they they fell out somewhere at an event, maybe or something. And he immediately refunded not only the money that I paid for the blades, but also my shipping, man. So, um, Shan's the man, dude. I don't, and I didn't need them right away. I mean, just I was getting them for, you know, backups. Mm-hmm. So yeah. stuff happens, man. But I, yeah. there's a little personal touch from Shan. So I appreciate Great customer that. service. Yeah. I, and I, dude, I, really I spent appreciate thirty bucks. It. it wasn't even like you know, yeah, it's a thirty dollar purchase. So yeah, I mean, it's not like you put a three hundred dollar order. It's like right, you yeah. know. But that's the thing. That's customer really service, regardless the of right the, of you what you spent. Right, you know. Yeah, definitely. I guess that's kind of it for my week. So, welcome to RC Flight. What the hell are we talking about here? I don't know. I, I thought we did a show that was like welcome to something. This was Welcome actually a jump. suggestion off of um, one of our listeners, and and Bert kind of went, Bert and Kyle kind of went over this one, and um, the suggestion was year one, but we didn't want to kind of do the same thing of your first year in a hobby, but you know, maybe a, a more of a heli driven, or it doesn't have to be actually heli, but heli airplanes, whatever, any type of flight, but kind of like your first, you know, like your first welcoming to the RC flight. Um, hobby okay okay so the, the first thing i'm gonna say is when when you start venturing in this hobby the first thing is to start slow 
Like I know and that's a lot. The of, hardest thing. It's bro. hard, yeah, yeah because you get difficult. You're you, first so thing you want to do is buy twenty seven models. Yeah, everything, everything. You want to buy everything you need. You want to be all prepared. You want to get everything. But I feel like um, as a as a newbie, right, as a beginner, you you probably buy like ninety percent of stuff you buy right off the bat is gonna be wrong. <laughs> like you know, right. very, it's not gonna be the, the good stuff that you need or what you need. Yeah, Absolutely. dude. And I'm 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 just. Going back to my first, like, uh, my first, man, year in the hobby, I can remember doing, I mean, dude, I've, uh, you know, documented all the dumbass things I've done up and including to, like, last weekend on the show. I mean, so you go back and uh, really uh, listen to some of the stupid things I've done, but I've learned from them. You know, my first flight with one of the Mikey's RC, like, profile Mustang and, Mm -hmm. you know, I it's flying great for the first 10 seconds and then it's all over the place and in the, in the tree. And now I'm risking my life for this $4 airplane, like climbing 50 feet in this tree to get it out. And I come home and there's my control horn screws laying in the, in the uh, tray that I left them in. So that was why it yeah. got all crazy. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You got to start off slow, man. You got to, and flight test, you know, is a great place to start off. Cheap and slow for Absolutely. airplane flight for sure. For yes. airplane flight, I, yeah. I, I cannot recommend anyone to go anywhere else. Really? But yep. Either. Well, I mean, I, I do want to put one caveat to it, but definitely like flight tests. But if you're not like a, you're not very handy, you know, maybe just getting a print an apprentice would be better. You know, so you don't have to do the building aspect and you could get right yeah. into the flying. But if you're like pretty handy, you like to tinkle and you know, like mess with stuff, and you know, I like to tinkle. You like to tinkle. <laughs> yeah, at least four or five well, times a day. it's more of whether you like to build or not. Yes, because I'm super handy, but I hate to build airplanes. So yeah, I'd rather just get one and fly. Okay, but see, my advice would be to definitely build something. Don't build something really, you know, crazy build. Build something like a Spitfire or something. Something that. So you at least know, hey, the rudder does this, the elevator does this, the ailerons, you know, do this. I mean, mm. and and you'll kind of know how to fix stuff too. You know? Sure, the fixing part for sure. Know how yep. to program a radio, like what to do. My motor spinning back. Yeah, but that that could be very complicated for someone who's really green in this hobby to know what That's the motor true. right direction is, to know what control surface is supposed to look like, like which way it's supposed to turn to do what. Um. And obviously, yeah. Flight Test has great videos on that stuff. They have a whole yeah, beginner series, so definitely check that out. Mm-hmm. The Expo video they have mm-hmm. explains what exponential is. Yep. And that is a, that's huge, I mean, to a new pilot. Yeah, I mean, that, it's that was needed. huge for me. Like, if you don't have Expo as a new pilot, like, you're basically setting yourself up to failure. Because, right. you, you know, especially with these airplanes and especially if you're building one, because you don't know how much endpoints you're supposed to put on your radio. So you're just like, it's stock at a hundred hundred, and yeah. guess what? <laughs> hundred on a airplane control service, unless you know you're seasoned, is too much. It's even too much for me, uh-huh. and I'm still, and I'm, you know, I'm quite, I'm okay. You know, I'm not great, but I'm okay, proficient in and flight. You know, in RC airplane flight. So, yeah, yeah. See, that's kind of why I I sort of have a different opinion. I kind of think you should start learn to fly on something like an apprentice mm-hmm. or uh, the little UMX Timber mm-hmm. or I learned on the little Hobby Zone Champ. 
Oh yeah, that little something, tramp. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something that you pull it out of the box and you know it's going to work. If because if you're new and green and really don't know anything, you you can't know that when you build something that you're not going to have the wings warped and the control surfaces crooked and just yeah yeah you can't you can end up having problems that you don't even know you have a problem you just right, think that you are can't problems, fly right. but the plane is actually causing you trouble yep yep coordinated terms learn, oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> learning to fly on something that you know flies and uh, and then the very next thing is start building stuff. Yeah. Like you know what? Once you can kind of, you know, take off fly circuit and land. Yeah. And then do whatever. Yeah. You make a great point. Like to the beginner, they're not going to know how much, like what control surfaces are, or any of that stuff. So CG could CG, be way Oh off. yeah. That's a big one too. Right. Yep. So, so it might be better. Yeah. To go with something that's ready to fly or buy to fly or whatever, that you have mm-hmm. a manual that will teach you how to set up the radio properly. That'll help you set up the plane properly. Um, like you get flight tests, you can watch a video, but you know, it's like, they might not go into everything on that video. They might just go on just building a plane and not actually seeing right, and flying right. the plane. So definitely if, something like the apprentice would be great as a starter. Well, they'll, dude, if they built the plane and they're, it's a build video, they'll definitely give you the, the CG and how much, you know, throws to put on the control for surfaces, you know, flight test will. Yeah, but but, they yeah, don't, I mean, but what if you have an off-brand radio? Build it crooked. Yeah, that yeah. too. What yeah. you know, like do you how, how as a beginner do you know that each aileron is supposed to swing the other way, or maybe they're supposed to go both the same way? Who knows? Yeah, you know, as a beginner, you might not know that these things, and and it's right. Like it's better to get something that's kind of already set up, and you know has the flight envelope already. Like it, it it will fly if you set up the radio the way the instructions say, you know. Yeah, I think the champ man that I mm-hmm. forgot all about those little yeah. guys like that. I mean, that that what was the other one? The, the sport duet? club, the little the duet that Chloe yep. started. I started flying. with yeah. the the champ, and I taught myself to fly with it. Basically, no help, mm-hmm. and yeah. then immediately moved to the sport cub, the old uh, brushed motor one. Mm-hmm. It's like a forty inch wingspan or something, okay. three channel. Flew the absolute crap out of that, and you know just kind of went up from there yeah uh, and we should say the very first thing if you can find help yes or a club or something everything will go much easier yes if you can find help or help 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 yeah exactly <laughs> things will go easier dude and you know what i was gonna say i was waiting for this uh topic here to come up uh i watched a ton of flight test videos before i really flew anything the mm-hmm. the internet is a great source. You can read post after post and Whoa. and get all your questions answered. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not as good as being there, but you won't. You know, you could. Information is something you can't really take in a negative way. I mean, well, yes, no, maybe no. to some point you can, but so you're the more information you have, the better. I yes. think, and, and and if you you use the internet to watch videos and learn yeah, what but things are, you need to get the right information. That's that's so put the. Second um, bullet point I have here is to get help locally if you can, online if you can't. But there's caveats to the online help because there's so many people that that are just as inexperienced, but they think they know what they're talking about. So they're going to steer you wrong because their experience steered them this way and it seemed to work for them. But that doesn't mean it seems it's, you know, like it'll work for everyone else. 
Um, you know, and you get you get, get people that, that like face to face though too. Yeah, but you get people. Yeah. I think on online you get a lot more of that information, and you get them a lot easier. Like in person, you only get one or two people giving you tips. Online, you get 40, 50 people giving you tips, and they're all going to be different. And right. it's like, then how do you sort through that? How do you know who's telling, who's leading you the right path or not? You don't know because right. they're online. You, you know at. At the core well, of it, you don't really know any of these people, right? Like they, you know, so you don't know which one who to trust or who not to trust or anything like that. Well, I wasn't talking about the trusting people. I was just talking about like get questions answered that are, you know, basic questions like what is Expo or you know what, what is yeah. what should your ailerons be, you know, set up as what to look out for that kind of stuff. Not, uh, I don't know how in depth you would get being a noob, um, but. Uh, you know, just that kind of stuff. Like, like I didn't know what exponential was, and like I said, the flight test was great for explaining that. Mm-hmm. And right, I could see, good. I could see the advantage to having that. Yeah. Uh, be aware, like you said, not all information is good, but somewhere like a flight test and say the flight test forum. Yeah. If if you're getting info there, if somebody because of the way that community is kind of set up, mm-hmm. if somebody gives you just completely wrong advice, someone else is going to call them out. Yeah. You're going to say, no, that's that's wrong, man. You yeah. need to do this. So, like, flight test form is definitely different, you know. But, like, you never know, like, where these people might end up. They might go to RC groups, which I would say most of the folks on there have true good intentions to mm-hmm. steer you the right way. But sometimes you go to Facebook and you join a group and then you'll find a bunch of trolls that are, like, yeah. completely just trying to you know troll you and you know basically confuse the hell out of you and you know it's like at that point you know like it might it might like oh man i don't i'm having a hard time putting words together it might be like you know just like discouraging you know where you're like oh man all these guys are saying i should get brand this and brand that and i should buy this and it's like that's like five thousand dollars what the hell you know like how am i supposed to afford any of this shit forget this i'm not in i'm this hobby's not for me anymore then you know yeah i can see how you could get discouraged talking to the wrong people and and then uh you know not wanting to have anything to do with the hobby yeah i can definitely see that yeah yeah but i also kind of agree with kevin though about doing research yeah. maybe even if you're not asking questions you can look you can learn about exponential yeah you can learn, learn about fuel rates mm-hmm. you can learn about how escs and motors work uh you know if if you really want to do this you need to at least learn a little bit about aviation about flights so you know what control surfaces do and yeah what stalling means all, and stuff like yeah that. what a stall is mm-hmm. you know so yeah read get online and read and and yeah like kevin said the more info the better yeah when, yeah when you start asking specific questions is where you run into possibly bad information yes but there's a lot of general info that you can learn if you just Yes, I uh, agree to that. Try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and if you read the same thing a hundred times, yeah, you know, and, exactly. and you read, you read uh, this something on the same topic completely different. Or it seems out of place from one or two people. You know, kind of which way you're going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. Uh, I would also add to that: go to some events, go to some fun flies. Even if you don't fly anything, it might mm-hmm. sound boring, but man, I had a great time. I drove two hours up to the neat fair, uh, two years in a row, and never flew anything. I was just having a great time just walking around, seeing what goes on at the fun flies, seeing what, 
and this might not be the perfect example, seeing what flight line behavior is like and just seeing <laughs> how, like how, like I'm, I built a plane or I have a little plane or something, you know, what do I have to do to go fly it, you know, at a fun fly, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, learn the event and like fun fly etiquette. You yeah. Know? Yeah, for sure. And I had a great time. I, like I said, and I didn't fly mm-hmm. anything. I took a ton of pictures, talked to a lot of people, just, you know, it was really cool. And you're going to, I don't know, maybe not everybody's a great judge of character, but you're going to know when you're talking to somebody who's full of it, you know, or, you know, some guy that seems like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think most people will say, this is what I did. You know, they make a great thing here that you can start with, like The Apprentice. When you get a guy that says, no, you don't want that. You want this. I mean, you're going to know right away. You know, maybe I shouldn't listen to this guy. I'll, I'll seek advice somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next thing I put up here is um, buying the right equipment for for yes. what you need. Um, I think one of the, the the big things I had issues when I first started is I kept on buying stuff, and it was all kind of garbage. Like it was all kind of like maybe I shouldn't have bought that, and you know, and. It's like instead of spending the money here and there, it's like maybe I should have bought something that's quality that would last me longer, um, <clears throat> and that'd be less frustrating. So when when you're buying equipment, it's good to definitely ask for help or get advice, but be warned that like some folks are brand specific, so they like to, you know, say this is the brand you should get because it's da 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 better, and then you ask. You know, the next guy, he'd be like, no, 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 that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This is the brand to get because of this, 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 this. And they all sound good to you. You're like, oh, they they all sound like good advice. But, yeah. you, you you know, once you start talking about equipment and brands and stuff, it does. People do usually sway one or the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's good to be mindful. Like, get the advice, but just be mindful of that, that, you know, they might be. Maybe they're a rep for this brand, you know, like, or maybe right. this person, you know, only has has a lot of money, so they could always buy the top end stuff, and they're okay with spending that money. You like, you don't know where uh, they're coming from, so it's good to just be, you know, just to just to be aware of it, I guess. Of course, yeah, I would say, dude, if you got a budget of like, we don't think a budget's too. I mean, I personally don't think a budget's too much in the hobby, but say you got like five hundred dollars, don't go buy a radio that's 499 you're not gonna have any money left for anything else but right. don't go buy a 30 dollar radio either yeah don't don't go buy like a turn g9 next and be like why can't i load something and why doesn't it work right and- my first radio that i bought was the equivalent of a hobby king you know six channel radio that uh equivalent do or it is a hobby king six channel radio no i was trying to find it earlier it's um it's like this. It was really cheap, cheap Chinese. It was under thirty dollars, and it was a six-channel radio, but it had it's, you know no mixing. Yes. Everything was computer done. And it was it, real it, basic. It was, a, it was a basic FR Sky, I believe. Probably, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I remember you showing me a picture of it. It's like blue and silver on the bottom, and yeah, like bunch of dip switches, and yeah. And speaking of radios, we talked about uh, um, joining a club or at least meeting up with some guys. Mm-hmm. Find out what everyone in that club is flying. Yeah. You know, if it's 90% spectrum, go with a spectrum. Yes. If everyone in the club has a Futaba, maybe look at one of the less expensive Futabas. Yeah, an HA or something. Because yeah. Because if, if everybody in the club is flying spectrum and Futaba and you show up with a Tyrannus, they're not going to know how to help you. Yes. Like, right. you, you can't get any advice or yes. you're just kind of on your own. Mm-hmm. So. 
it, that's that's another thing that being in a club or around some other people, you kind of see what they're using. You know, chargers, yeah. radios, and, and equipment works, like that. It works both ways. Like I guess as a beginner, it's good to get what yeah. other folks have. So you. Well, can I mean, we're talking learning, about first know? year beginner. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I would say get help and I, you know that definitely helps. Yeah. If mm-hmm. I was to recommend one, I definitely would say get something Spectrum, only because what you're gonna purchase after that, you know, the smaller stuff or anything. There's a lot of bind and fly options. Bind and fly stuff. About that. Yeah, I would almost go as far as saying like, you know, anyone who's in the airplane slash heli hobby like that fly both right, probably has a Spectrum radio. And it's because yeah. of that purpose, right? Because there's so many body fly planes from Horizon yeah. Hobby. All the planes, and then you've got, you got you several can get helicopters, started in helicopters mm-hmm. with yep. them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So Spectrum, you know, in my opinion, is one of the best radios you can get as a beginner just because of that. Just because if you want to fly quads, they got Biden fly quads. You want to buy a helicopter, get yourself a 230S, you know, a plane. There's a billion planes that they make that are buying and yep. fly. And it's a they're solid radios and mm-hmm. they're simple. They're easy to learn, intuitive. Yep. yep. It's nothing too crazy. Yep. So yeah, I would agree for a beginner, absolutely. And I'm Spectrum. I would I would almost like put money on it that like, you know, if you go to a club that there will be spectrum. I mean, yeah. you know, guaranteed there will be folks that fly There'll spectrum. There'll be there. at least some. At least if some not most. Yeah. I agree with that. You know, and then as far as like your chargers and batteries and stuff, like, I don't know. I feel like chargers have a shelf life. Like, they don't last forever, you know? So maybe if you do want to get in cheap, like, I started cheap with, like, a $30 G start, uh, charger. And that reactor charger lasted me two years solid. And it mm-hmm. still works. I just, the only reason I switched out is because I got a great deal on the iCharger 4010 at the time, right. you know? So... You know, yes, there's cap- there's limitations on like how fast you could charge and stuff. But when you're starting out, you're charging small batteries anyways, so they're fine. So, you know, I would the only chargers I would stay away from, which it's I've I've heard horror stories because you know I've heard batteries light on fire and stuff. Is that like what is it? IMAX or BMAX B6 something charger? It's like there's so oh, many clone oh. versions of it that you don't know if it's real or not. The one you're getting. Yeah, and that—that's the only one. And I, I, yeah, it's like an IMAX B something, B six, B six S or B six R or something like that. Um, yeah, and see, I think a charger some something you should maybe not buy the most expensive you can afford, but I think you should get a decent one. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't buy the cheapest Chinese one I could find because it's going to be bad for your batteries. Could potentially set your house on fire. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of issues with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I would spend more money definitely on, uh, like, talking about equipment, like, on the transmitter than I would on, like, the batteries and charger. And not, Mm -hmm. you know, and, of course, be safe about it, but, like, you don't have to go and get, like, yourself a $100 Orange RX radio and then go buy yourself, uh, you know, dual power lab, four or $500 charger. Like, you don't, you know? right. Like you want to make well, sure. I, yeah, yeah. I was more saying like like there's smaller eye chargers that are yeah. still quality 10, chargers. Yeah, they're like you know 10, what is it one hundred three B. Yeah, one oh 
or 106 b yeah yeah it's like 100 bucks and it's a i mean it's a quality it's charger a, it's a solid charger yeah 10 amps yeah mm-hmm. yep um and there's other you know there's lots of other brands there's uh venom ones and uh you know there's different stuff yeah spectrum just, makes just one now don't go to bang good and get some no 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 piece yeah. of crap is what i'm <laughs> yeah at. unless it's that um isdt chargers i like those I think they're pretty good. And I think you you can get them on Banggood or Alibaba or AliExpress okay. or whatever. But but those uh, ISDT chargers are really cheap and they're pretty quality small chargers. Mm-hmm. So same thing for air airplanes or airframes. Yeah. Get get something from a. It, it costs a little more, but something like from Horizon Hobby or or somebody when you're first starting out. Because if you buy a Banggood. $30 plane, you might have more trouble than you're mm-hmm. not doing yourself any favors when the servos are bad and yeah. the motor goes bad or, you know, you could just end up throwing that money away if you're not careful. Plus a lot of frustration. Yes. Plus yep. let's, let's kind of go back. Let's go into this a little bit. Um, you know, buying the right equipment, there's also a proper place to buy the right equipment. I think like buying them for, like sometimes like you could get some crazy deals on name brand stuff on like eBay or you know or these like you know Chinese sites and stuff but you don't get the best customer service and if you're yeah. if you're no in customers. it yeah you want to get good customer service you know at least decent customer service that someone like if you have an issue someone will listen to you at least mm-hmm. you know <laughs> whether they do something or not i mean you know hopefully they will but uh, you right. know, like you should at least like try to buy some from somewhere that's reputable and you know within like your country you know it doesn't have to be the u.s if we're if you know we have listeners from outside the u.s here um but just a company that that like gets good ratings that gets good reviews that have you know good feedback from other right. buyers that that you hear that oh okay you know i had an issue with this and they resolved it for me you know because that comes a long way when when we start spending and investing a lot of money into this hobby and then like, you know, this company is like, well, sorry, we can't do anything for you. You know, it's just discouraging. Like really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to just get back to the charges real quick, man. Mm-hmm. Go over a few prices that I've seen online here. Yeah. Um, the iCharger 106 is like 90 ish, 90 ish dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. and I still to this day use the iCharger uh, 306B which yeah. is 160 which I think is pretty good price. People might be like, man, that's a lot of money for a charger when I can get one for 30 bucks, but I had the $30 one and I had how many know, of the $30 I, ones? Once, yeah, <laughs> once you go through 3 or 4 of those, you, yeah. you just bought the $100 one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you you kind of and I kind of outlived it because it's it's max amp amperage that it can put out is only like uh, 5 amps. And yeah. so um, for us to charge some of these, you know, higher C rated packs and the higher milliamp packs definitely need to right. think about yeah. upgrading the charger. Yeah. You could start off with this and run yeah. 12 volts and then, you know, upgrade to 24 volts if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 106 is a good. I have one. That's the first charge I ever bought and uh, it's still going. I have yeah. a 306. Yeah. And that, the 106, uh, even a 106, you can get 10 amps. So mm-hmm. you can charge a 5,000 6S pack at yeah. 2C. I mean, yep. that's that's decent for a beginner yeah. charger. 
it's funny because the, the reactor the one I had I, I mentioned before is um it's actually a clone of the 106B. It's oh, exactly okay. the same, yeah. same screen, yeah, yeah. same four button configuration, same placement right. of the fan and right. everything. Um, it's just a hobby king version. Okay, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I do recommend the 106B. And just these numbers that we're throwing out is just the first two numbers are like the amps and how many cells it can charge. So like a 10, right. six is you know 106 is 10 amps at six cell, 306 30 amps at six cell. So just so that people know, like when I talk when we mentioned when I mentioned the 4010 duo. That's 40 amps at 10 cell, and duo means there's two charges built into one kind of deal. But yeah, I think, you know, don't break the bank, but yeah, get get something decent. I think I think that's the, the whole overall thing we're trying to say about buying the right equipment is you don't have to spend a lot of money to get top-tier stuff, but you can still buy decent stuff at a, at right. a value price. Exactly. Buy, kind of like the saying is, buy the best you can afford. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? At the time, yeah. Yeah, at the time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so the next bullet point I put up here is simming. Simming. Damn, what's that? <laughs> it's what you should have done your first year of flight. <laughs> uh-huh. I'll tell you, man, I got a story about the first time I flew my FT Spitfire, and I had simmed, just plain simmed, uh, before I flew it, and... It's documented in on video. The first time, one well, of the first and last times I ever took video of me actually flying. Um, but I, I rolled it inverted, and because of the sim, I knew to push up elevator. I mean, it, this stuff doesn't seem like anything out of the ordinary now. But when you're a new guy, man, you don't even think about pushing that elevator the opposite way that you should push it. So I was inverted, and you know, I I pushed it, and. Uh, pushed up which you know made made it drop down if it was a right side up and i rolled back out of it and i was like man if i didn't sim and do that on the sim at least a few thousand times you know i wouldn't have uh even thought to try it i would have tried pulling you know down elevator and drive the plane down hoping i have enough room to to pull out of it to do a half loop yeah 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 so sim has definitely helped me oh yeah it's invaluable for building that muscle memory and, yes. and getting those orientations burned in. Yes. Whether orientation. Exactly. Or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Orientation practice. Because I don't know. I mean, I, I had experience with cars and stuff, but when it came to like flight, it's that whole thing where the plane's coming at you. You're like, uh, do I go right? Oop, that made the plane go left. <laughs> you know, like, so, you know, you could think about it and it makes sense to you, but until you actually like build it into being muscle memory, um, you know, it takes too much time for you to think about it. And that's, you know, say, you're, you're going to be in the you dirt. Th- you, if you have to think about it, you're too late. You've yeah. already crashed. And you know, I, I, I gotta, I'm remembering another story. Uh, it's gotta be like six, seven years ago when I was talking to a guy about, I was just starting out flying and I was talking to a guy about it. And he said, I remember having, uh, or my father having a switch where he would the ailerons would reverse when it was coming at you. Oh, do wow. not do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Learn it the correct way. Don't fake it with uh, with technology. That's not it's not going to work in your favor. No, I, I definitely wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> That's so weird. I, I mean, I, I've heard that story. <laughs> I've never actually seen anything like that. But uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't do anything like that. That's that to me seems just. 
more trouble than it's worth. Oh, yeah. yeah you're not going to do sure. yourself any favors because no. you'll never learn to fly. No, no. it's a huge clutch. You're, you're, you're putting yourself in front of you. No, no, no. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> um, so talking about simming, you know, there's there you have your options of what sims to get these days. I mean, there there's several. Um, I mean, I guess I guess really for the plane, I would say there's really only one. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, right now, real flight's the only yeah. decent plane sim I know of. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking, I mean, what's the other one that was Horizon Hobbies that... Phoenix. Phoenix, Phoenix, uh, Sam, yeah. Which I think, you know, at the time was all right. I mean, yeah, I it's mean, just it, they're it outdated fine. now. It's, but it's out of production and not being supported, so yeah. it's kind of dead. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, is there any other ones? Well, I know AQRC there, there, there does be. planes, but it's it's terrible. The plane... Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about good yeah. ones. I'm not talking the about algorithms <laughs> for the planes are are terrible. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they focus on the helicopter side, of course. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say real flight is really the only one that's very diverse. There and, may be another one. We just I was yeah. like Plane X, or did that, or was that like a uh, full scale like sim? I think that was a full scale. Yeah. Was a full scale sim. Yeah, I think yeah. that was like you know flight simulator type. Yeah. Um, now, if you're into just helicopters, well, <laughs> there's Heli X, there's AccuRC, there's uh, Next, uh, Next, R- Next Heli, yeah, Next, um, and then there's also Real Flight, of course. They have yep. a lot of helis in there. Um, what other ones are there? I think those are the major ones that that are kind of out these days. There's some quad ones too. I feel like FPV and FPV racing. Um, yeah, I think there's a few that there's a few. focus on FPV actually. Mm-hmm. And don't and don't you know like with real flight you can they they have FPV in there too and they also have mm-hmm. helis and and planes so and the real flight I think as a beginner is the most diverse one plus you know you can get it with a controller or you can get it with the interlink to to mm-hmm. use your own controller which is nice. Um, it's it's kind of more on the expensive side I think than most of the others. Yeah, I, I think if you get it with the interlink or the controller, you're talking a hundred something like to one hundred fifty or yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah, I mean, granted, you're getting a controller like it's a fake controller, but it's basically I, mocked off an old Futaba radio. And I don't, um, I don't know what the current price is, but the one without a controller that came with a dongle yeah. used to be a hundred bucks. Yeah, I think so, it's a hundred or one fifteen or something like that. Okay. Um, which is great if you already have a radio, but maybe you're so much of a beginner, you're you're listening to this and saying, well, maybe I, sh-, you know, you should yeah, sim sure. first. We're recommending simming first, yeah. um, especially on the helicopter side. If you could sim and get orientation on on the sim, then going to real life, it's it's not that bad. Speaking of the sim, dude, uh, I did an experiment just a few hours before we started recording. I have an old real flight controller that's USB uh, that I bought. You know, with real flight, I think it was years ago, six, whatever, wasn't even seven at the time. I upgraded to seven. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see if that would work with AccuRC because I could ship that down to Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it does. It yeah. actually worked. And I was kind of surprised. Then I could take my laptop down there. And I mean, I don't even use that anymore. It's been sitting collecting dust for years. Yep. So um, that was pretty cool. I, I wasn't aware that 
that was a possibility. Yeah, AccuRC is pretty versed with, uh, like, you can sim natively on a Mikado V control, but you could also sim natively on, uh, you know, the real flight controller. Um, yeah, with and the, then, uh, or the Elite. The Jetty works yeah, natively the, the, like that. The Jetty Just works pretty much USB. anything that Windows will recognize as a game tr- controller mm-hmm. you can use. Yep. And even like the miscellaneous dongle you find on Amazon for three dollars will most likely work. Like yep. that's mm-hmm. how compatible um AccuRC two is, you know. So it's real nice for that. Um so kinda talking about the two dollar dongles on, on Sims is is I would kinda steer away from like if you go on eBay, um especially eBay or maybe on some forums or on some, you know, Facebook sell sites. It's like these knockoff sims like it's like five dollars you get a dongle and you get real flight three and you know you get a phoenix version four and like it comes with like 15 different versions on a burning cd yeah yeah i would stay away from that uh right off the bat like you know they're doing this they're doing it so cheap and because they're pirating that software i don't care if it's maybe deprecated and the company doesn't care that they're being pirated, but still, you're getting software that's stolen. Plus, there's no support mm-hmm. for, and you know, like if it doesn't work for you, well, it doesn't work. Well, it doesn't tough work. Luck. Yeah, exactly. So maybe you spend twenty bucks, maybe you spend five. I don't know, but either way, it's a waste of money. So Andy, you just recently said that you picked up a dongle on Amazon, like ten bucks. Does that? Yeah, for, a couple for years ago. Uh, yeah, it works with the. Uh, Is that with the trainer port? Yeah, you that... plug it into the trainer port. It comes yeah. with a, a little uh, cable, which is just a like a mono uh, one eighth headphone mm-hmm. jack type cable. Yeah, right. And then you plug it into USB. And this one actually has a couple different modes for, I guess, to work with different radios, like where it's PPM or whatever the different ones use. Okay. And I, I think it was. Uh, 10 15 maybe $20 on Amazon, but it's I got it a couple years ago. I don't remember. I don't even know if that exact one is still on there. But like Steve said, any of the generic ones will work as long as you can get Windows to recognize it. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's really the software that, you know. Yeah, I'm, don't, I'm, don't, yeah. I think this one actually came with uh, a SIM on a CD. Mm-hmm. I never, you know, I just chucked that in the trash first thing because all I wanted was a dongle. Yeah. The, even if it's not a pirated SIM, it's not going to be a good one. So yeah. don't even exactly. bother with that. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to frustrate yourself um, too much in the hobby because gonna be frustrating enough when you're starting. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be frustrating <laughs> enough and then like you might of... you might want to quit and you know I don't I don't want anyone to quit this hobby unless there's real reasons to quit. Like, you know, I think if you enjoy this hobby, like if you you know some if there's if this hobby sparks some interest in you, then there's something to to look forward to in this hobby because you'll get a lot of uh camaraderie and achievement from this hobby. So mm-hmm. So the next bulletin point I have here is do the boring stuff so the exciting stuff comes naturally, <laughs> which yeah. then the next statement is a little bit contradicting, but but um, let's kind of go over this. So the boring stuff, the orientation training. I don't care what you fly, anything you fly, orientation training sucks. 
it's just boring. Like, I mean, more so on a helicopter because you're just hovering. Plane's a little different because you're flying around and that's, yeah. you know, how you, you learn have orientation. so many more orientations to learn for with, helis. With the helis, yeah. yeah. Planes you, just kind of got two, sort of, upright and inverted forwards. And yeah. And you have stopping and starting too, you know. And we always talk about orientations and mm-hmm. the eights and all, but there's also like you're stopping from one orientation, and then your brain has to switch over. Now I'm, I'm I might be nose in inverted, but now I'm not flying towards me. I'm flying the other way, you know. And yeah. Yeah. so you kind of got to think like I'm coming out of this one, and now I'm going into this one. And sometimes your fingers don't <laughs> don't work the way you want them to. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's why planes are, are definitely a little bit easier to learn. Definitely, yeah. Right, Plus, they, they glide. Yeah, they close. They <laughs> glide, right? So, like, you have time to think. Where you're like, you just level the wing, level it-ish. You know, it gives you time to think, okay, I need to make the turn now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You don't have it's to be so far ahead. It's always going to be going forward. Yeah. And it's kind of predictable, the characteristics. I feel like helicopters are more unpredictable when... Mm-hmm. You start going knife edge and the heli starts to fall and you're like, do I give this side or that side? Do I move the tail? Like there's a right. lot of different things you can do to, to correct. And that causes confusion too. Right. Yeah. And you can have it knife edge and you put a bunch of pitch. It's going to be knife edge, but going one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, which can buy you some time too, but yeah, it's, yeah. but then it's going to hit the ground <laughs> even harder and faster. <laughs> if yeah. you don't, fix it you know if you don't fix the uh if you don't correct but um yeah definitely practice the boring stuff the upright you know okay so let's talk about the helicopter stuff actually let's talk about the plane stuff first because we all got into planes first the boring stuff with the planes is your circuits your procedural turns your clockwise counterclockwise turns um you know coordinated turns learn coordinated yes where you're using your rudder and your ailerons and your elevator all three control services at the same time while managing your throttle you know, and learn to land, and then you're yeah. Do it. Learn to How take off and land. Yeah, learn to land. I see guys have been flying ten years; they still can't land for shit. And the yeah, perfect training tool for landing, I think, is doing learning to do touch and goes. Yeah, that's because what I was gonna say. You do come, touch and goes. You do your approach. You touch the landing gear, and you take right off, and yep. you just keep on doing do that. Just, just do it. Do a fly entire pack just touch and goes. Yeah, you'd be surprised how much better your landings will be if you just practice it. Yeah, you'll you'll get to judge your landing speed, what you need, how much you know throttle you need, and everything. Like it'll just start to get ingrained in your mind. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's part of the boring stuff. Landing. Take Some on. of that mm-hmm. stuff is is mile specific to a point. You know how much throttle you you bring in on landing. But I know one colossal mistake I used to make when I was starting out flying airplanes was I thought. Your mind kind of thinks that you're coming into land. You have to stop the plane before you even hit the ground. I see a lot of people do that, and then you know what happens. You you lose airspeed and stall about like five stone. feet off the ground and smashes. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, there's there's like a, I still see it with some of the pilots today that that we that we uh, know we fly with. Mm-hmm. You know they they try to slow down a little too much before they come in and don't realize that. Once you hit the ground, now you've got even more friction slowing you down. You're going to slow down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just have to, and I mean, hit the ground on yeah, the wheels, just, obviously. Just ride it out, right. Right, right. Yeah, you're not going to be, you know, because you, your mind kind of thinks I'm going this speed and I'll never make it. I'll, I'll be off the end of the runway. But once you hit the ground and you start to bleed off a lot of speed. It's um, still better to hit the end of the runway than to stall five, oh, ten feet off the sure. ground. Yeah, I, Absolutely. 
you know, but then you're cartwheeling and then you're like every leading edge of your weight uh, tips right, getting, right, you know, messed right. up. Um, well, also learn to go around. Yeah. Right. Learn, right. learn, like when you're a beginner, you need to be landing before you're out of battery. Mm-hmm. You need to give yourself time to make a couple go arounds if you yep. need to. Yep. Always plan for like that last minute of the battery life to be your landing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're approaching. Okay. Nope. Maybe the winds were off or maybe there's too many people. There's too much traffic. Let me go around huh. again. Way you know. too long or yeah. coming up short, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. And as you as you slow the plane down for approach, man, a lot of people, I don't know if they realize this or not, but I'm sure of us, us guys have been around for a while. You know, when you're coming in, CG plays a larger role in that plane staying level yeah. when you're slowing down. Yeah, at low, low, yeah, at low um, airspeed, CG is yeah. ever so more important, right? So if you're having a really hard time landing a model i mean maybe double check the cg or move it forward a little bit if especially if you slow down and it starts to pitch up i mean then you know it's tail heavy yeah yeah you're a little i've, I've noticed that mm-hmm. um one of the other things i w- i would say is like once you start kind of getting used to take off and landings and doing like a you know a what is it a pattern around the field um bring it up high and see what the stall characteristics are of the player yeah Learn, learn how that plane's going to act when you come in too slow. And it, does it just kind of float down and like doesn't installs very well and gracefully? Or does it just, you know, knock over a wing and just start barreling towards the ground? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like right. learn, learn the stall characteristics. And, and when in doubt, when you're stalling, especially high up, throttle and go with the stall. Like, you know, but that's kind of more advanced, I think, or more intermediate when you, yeah. when you start learning things. Right. Don't be afraid to add throttle, even though the nose is pointing towards the ground, because you'll you'll you need air your speed. airspeed. And you'll be yeah. you'll be able to pull out of it. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Right. Don't forget airspeed or just wind or air over your control surfaces. That's how you get lift and how you get control. So it's it's ever more important, you know, on airplanes yeah. to do that. Any any other comments about airplane boring stuff before we move on to the heli boring stuff? Right. No. We got take off landings patterns. Learn to land stalls. Learn to stall. Stall. Mm -hmm. uh, Learning doing a stall on a plane is uh, that much more important if you're scratch building, like a flight test planes and stuff. Sure, yeah. Because it it could be very unpredictable. Yeah. So. Or it could be like a vigan and just float there and just come straight down. Yeah, just do nothing. Yeah, Yeah. do nothing. Just come straight (laughs) down. Um, And I also would add, you know, if you're on a grass field, like we used to fly at Green Pond a mm -hmm, lot. Yeah. You go out the flight fest and. It's more or less a grass field. Um, mm-hmm. Do your best to to make an approach as if there was a runway there, because then once you get further on and you yeah. join a club that has a runway, mm-hmm. you'll be you'll be better off. Yeah, yeah I think that's one of the things that Kevin and I had issues with when we first started coming to Polda to our Tri County Club, is that they have a geotech runway, but we've only flown at a grass field like that was just open. So right. we like we made approaches however we wanted to like it didn't matter, you right. know. Yeah, that's a good point. If you're start off flying small stuff in a soccer field or a park or whatever, you might just land any direction. Yeah, you might land coming at you. You know who knows. But you know? We, yeah, and then when you go to an actual airfield and you got to hit the runway, well, you're like, well, shit, I can't hit that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm only I can only land right to left or whatever. Right. right. All right, so the boring stuff for the helis. So now this is your stationary hovers, orientation training. 
right off the bat, like, I know it's boring. I know, like, everyone hates doing it, but I wish I concentrated on that more when I was a beginner. I think I would have progressed so much further because I see the difference between my first, like, three years flying helicopters and mainly staying tail end because I, that was the only comfortable orientation I, I knew to, like, this past year, year and a half where orientation was not an issue. And now I'm flying all different sorts of ways. And, you know, it just, it takes your flying to a totally different level when you're not resetting to tail end every time when you do a maneuver or you're not just hovering in front of you, flip, 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 and then hover again and flip, 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 you know? Right. Um, Learn orientation before you learn 3D. Try, I mean, it's hard, but try to learn sport flying before you go into 3D. <laughs> like, I'm talking about even, like, the mild 3D of going inverted and stuff. Like, learn how to sport fly. Learn how to fly forwards and backwards and sideways Be able to and do, stuff. yeah, figure eights, turn all directions. Yeah. That kind of good stuff. But the boring stuff, like I wrote here, do the boring stuff now because you put that time in and it pays off tenfold when it's not an issue. It really does. I can't I couldn't I can't stress enough how much how much naturally maneuvers and just ideas in your head and you can put it down in flight. You know, once you uh don't have to worry about like I don't know which way to turn the heli, I don't know which way to do this, I don't know which way to you know, if the heli's falling this way, how do I not have it fall? No, definitely. I don't I don't know if this is, pertains to first year of flight, but I know for me for a fact that doing things in both directions was a huge help for me. I mean, I've learning how to do things in both directions and starting off on the sim doing it in both directions helped me out a lot. And you'll find that and I kind of it, I'm going past the first year, but you'll find out that it pays off like you're saying big time because you'll come out of a maneuver that's comfortable and I've said it before and now you're in the uncomfortable orientation, but if if you've already got experience and time in in that orientation, it's not it might be your less of an uncomfortable or less of a comfortable orientation, but mm -hmm. it won't be to the point where you're like, oh, crap, now what do I do? You know, you'll know what to do. You just won't like it that much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'll just be, you'll be able to fly out of it. Yeah. 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 It's like and eventually it won't be anything. It won't, yeah. it won't mind at all. Yeah. It becomes second nature. And that's right. one of the things about this hobby that if you do something enough, it becomes second nature to you. And, you know, just all hobbies in general, really. Yeah, I mean, I just I can't stress the, the importance of learning to hover. You know, I think uh, Derek was uh, probably where you got this idea that you have to do everything both ways because it helps so much. Your orientation training, you're doing maneuvers on your left and right side going both ways, whether it's right rudder and left rudder and kind of deals like that, you know? And like yeah. that, those are definitely more intermediate things yeah, to yeah. worry about. But... You know, the the hardest part is to break out of this, um, oh, man, this is boring. I'm going to do something else. And, yes, you know, I think 80% of the people that are in this hobby do it this way, you know. So you're not alone. But know that, like, if you do not work on your basics, that it's going to hurt you later on or it's just going to slow your development. And if you're okay with just sport flying and you never really want to go 3D and stuff, then, then have fun. Fly. Enjoy your hobby. But yeah. if you're if one of your goals is to be like I want to be really proficient 3D pilot, you know, doesn't have to be the best, but I want to be very good at it. With personal goals like that, you need to work on your orientation, and it has to come naturally. Like you know, you don't have to think, you shouldn't have to think about it uh, too much. Right. 
So with the, you know, on the flip side, right? Don't bore yourself too much. See, this, this is what I was saying. It's kind of contradicting. Uh, make right. sure you're having fun or you're achieving goals. Um, and the reason I say that is like, you know, if I sat there and did, and I did start with just hovering a helicopter for, for days in, weeks out, I probably wouldn't be flying helicopters. You know, like, because if I'm not having fun with the hobby, then why am I in it? Like, it, I don't, you know, like, life's too short. There's enough other fun things I can do that if, like, I want to learn to fly helicopters and I find that it's super boring, I might have quit, you know? So I didn't go with the full orientation training. I did some orientation and I learned to sport fly. I learned to fly forward flight. Like I said, from experience, looking back, I'm kicking myself in the butt for it. Right. But... I am still in a hobby to this day, you know, and I do partially think it's because I had so much fun um, flying and achieving little goals like, holy crap, I did my first circuit and the helicopter didn't go behind my head, land in the, you know, the double <laughs> yellow line, out, <laughs> you know, behind me where I had to crawl under a fence to get through it, get to it. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, these small little goals that, and, and set small goals. I should say that too, right? Like, yeah, it's like anything else. That's yeah. small goals. Like, do your hover training. If you're going to do hover training, do it right. Like, put your four cones out there, right? And see, first of all, can I hover tail in in this box? Mm-hmm. Great. Can I move the helicopter to that cone and then to that cone and to the other one and then the one closer? To this, you know? Like, do your do those maneuvers because when you do get them, you'll get that, that like, gratif- gratification that, hey, I achieved something in this hobby, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I and, agree. And when I was talking before about uh you know orientation uh, with the planes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can easily translate to helicopters where you know, do your side-in hovers both directions, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. make sure you can do them both ways. And don't move on to nose in until you're you know satisfied. We used to do Steve and I used to do 45s. Yeah. Uh both tail in and then nose in and trying to keep that going till Till we got comfortable with nose in completely. Hey, uh, I'll even admit it. Like I, I do this stupid trick where I turn, I turn my head. If I'm going right right, nose right, right, I'll just turn my head right and put the helicopter to my right, and then visually, I'm doing side in. But um, control wise, with my um, perspective is tail in, which is the most comfortable orientation because every control is the same. Like you know, whichever way you look at the heli, so. Like, you know, do those little tricks, you know? I, I, I still remember Chris Breams telling him, like, you know, he was struggling with the nose and hovering. And I was like, just pretend it's like on an airplane flying back at you. Like, it's, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like I'm not saying turn around. I mean, you could turn around and just look over your shoulder. I mean, <laughs> but like, you know, you'll come to realize that the orientation is just perspective. And the helicopter will still do what movements you're doing, just your perspective changes on the helicopter, which makes you get confused. Right. So, you know, you're having trouble doing nose left. So just turn your body nose left and keep the helicopter and look, and then just look over your right shoulder, you know, looking at the helicopter and you'll see, you'll be like, Oh, I'm hovering fine. Nose left. You know? Mm-hmm. So things like that definitely help. Um, with airplanes, I think definitely helps with forward flight on a helicopter and inverted nose forward flight. Because yeah. those are exactly the same controls. As long as you can do coordinated turns, like yeah. on an airplane, you need to be able to yeah, do coordinated to. turns. Yeah, um, helicopters is is 
it's all coordinated turns when you're doing maneuvers like forward <laughs> right. flight, you know, um, backwards flight, all of that stuff. You're never just doing bank and yank for the nope. most part. You have to add rudder or the helicopter will bank, yank, and fall, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. I wanted to mention mm-hmm. we're talking about not boring yourself too much. Yeah. You can mix it in. Yeah. So, like, if you go out to the field, say you, you, you can, you know, get three flights or four, whatever, do a practice your hovers for a flight and then do a couple flights, just have fun. Mm-hmm. If it's tail end, four front flips, you know, or whatever you, you can do, if you can fly circuit, that's mm-hmm. good. And then do maybe another practice hover flight before you leave. Yeah. You don't have to just work on it so long that you get bored, but you don't have to quit and just start sport flying and never go back to it. You can keep kind of mixing it in as you go and you will progress that way without getting too burnt out. Yeah. Right. You don't want to make it seem like work. Yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. and, with it. and this is a, this is a tip that, um, you know, I, I don't know if I think Kevin, you were there too. I think Kevin and I both gave this tip to, uh, our friend Mike D we're like, you know, take, take a minute of your flight and just do orientation training. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and he said on his yeah. IX-12, he's like, okay. So he said a, a double timer. One's a flight timer. One's a one-minute timer that he sets. Okay. So he'll he'll take off, do a minute of upright or- four orientation hovering, and okay. then his timer will go off, and then he'll fly the three minutes with. Fly. Okay. Yeah. 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 That works too. So That's every perfect. flight he gets practice in. So right. it, and, you know, so exactly. it, it ingrains into him, even though I I pushed him into the ground the other day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Steve, I don't know if he followed up with you he did with me he said that he's already seen a change in his flying and his comfortability with yes with flying mm-hmm. uh outside of a week you know because yeah. he's doing that yeah and he's having he's having fun with it man yeah and and not to say anything bad about mike mike's a great guy but i mean he's a little bit older and and with that like you know some folks think like oh well this is too much for me i can't learn this now mike got the right attitude he's like i'm having fun i'm gonna do it you know and uh, he does, and he's learning, and he's progressing, even though I keep yeah. on driving him into the dirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I do uh, slow pyros all the time. Like uh, yeah. like I'll be flying out maybe the last minute of a pack. Mm-hmm. I'll come in and practice uh, inverted pyros yeah. just right in front of me just for practice. Throw a few, like you say, throw a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there. It's never boring that way, but you're still getting the practice in. Yeah. And the, and the funny part is, is that like, it might seem boring, but when you're new and even, I mean, even for me to, to this day, like, you know, I'll do inverted slow pirouetting and I freak out. Like it's exciting because I'm scared. I'm going to crash. Like I know it's like, yeah. Oh crap. You know, like, Oh, I'm not comfortable. That like bit of being uncomfortable, like a little bit uncomfortable is good. Because yeah. you know you get kind used of where to that. You need and, to be really. Yeah, you know yes. if you're fully comfortable with your flight, that means you're probably not progressing because you're not trying anything new, and you're not scaring yourself. Like I scare myself a little every flight, you know, and I keep on pushing a little bit every flight. Like not to the point where like, you know, I'm I'm throwing my helicopters into the dirt every weekend. Kevin but, said you scare him a little bit every flight too. Oh, I know I do. He doesn't stand next to me <laughs> when I fly anymore. He no, used to no, always he stand next to me. scares me when he shows up at the field. <laughs> the flying is completely different. <laughs> <laughs> no, Steve's, nice. 
I mean, this the last time was a bad example because we were, I was running around doing so many different things, trying to get everything ready for the night fly and stuff. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, so much going on. Yeah, I usually stand out there with Steve though. But it's like, a while. you know, it's like, but you have to like, I, you know, like now I'm doing most of my like, even with the 700, like I'll do a half pure takeoff now, you know, like because I, I push myself just a little bit. Like the once I was trying on the 500 and I'll do like a skid bump and a half pure, you know, or like, no, even before that, I would just come down and be like three feet half pure. And now I would do skid bump half pure. And now I'm just like spool up, take off and do half pure, <laughs> like, you know. And like, Are you doing the right rudder or left rudder? All left rudder. Um, okay. I do I do right rudder half pirouettes like I do with my left rudder half pirouettes. The stall, I I don't know what they're called. I call them half pirouette yeah, yeah. to a tail slide. Yeah. Um, yep. I've been I've been practicing doing that with right rudder, but the problem is I can't complete it. I do a half pirouette and then I flip the other way out using left rudder. It's weird. Like I can't. Yeah. I'm not used to completing that yet. So I'm I'm only no, doing I know half exactly pirouettes. What you mean? You know, you start uh, with. That, mm-hmm. That's what I was doing. When I started doing the right rudder stuff, yeah, because you start freaking out. You're like, "Oh, what?" Yes, the exactly. Hell? You get out of you get too much out of your comfort zone, and then you're like, "Freak out, freak out." Okay, I need to go back to basics. But I mean, even to this day, I realize that the hovering and the basics are very important. That even though I don't question my upright orientation at all, like doesn't matter. Like if even if I'm knife edge doing a circuit, I'm I kind of know how to bail out of it now. Even with my most uncomfortable um, clockwise tail upright tail in or tail, right? Like yeah, backwards yeah. Fly. No, exactly. Um, forwards or backwards. Yeah, upright, like I was doing. Fine. I was doing it. You know, that day and Devin was sitting next to me, and I'm doing it on the black nitro, and I'm, he he's like, "Whoa!" And I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'm knife edge. I know. I'm too much knife edge. I'm too much knife edge. Like I'm, you know." And I knew it, and I was making corrections, doing my the worst, fugliest, you know, <laughs> uh, clockwise backwards flying ever. But it's that's what I need, and that's what I think folks need is to just get a little bit out of your comfort zone, and then that becomes your new comfort zone, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. how you progress. A little bit out of yep. comfort zone, keep at it, keep at it. Now that becomes your new level of comfort zone. I mean, think about Kevin. You, you, when you when you first started flying helicopters and was kind of proficient in it, it was a lot of tail and stuff, a lot of flips, and maybe you know some stall turns left and right and stuff like that, and some punch outs. Always the reset. I was always resetting for a long, long yeah. time. But always not even that, the... though. Like, And then you started picking up half pure flip and yeah. like half, half pure flips. And now you're, you're doing half pure flips like three, four feet off the ground on uh, on an oxy. You know, like just like, yeah. oh, like, like, you know, nail biting, teeth clenching, like excitement. It was great, you know. And, and now you're like, you're more comfortable, more comfortable. And it just, it just, it progresses you so much. So, you know. I don't even know what we're talking about. (laughs) Things are flowing more for me. Yes, they are. And definitely, like I keep saying, with the you know, if you if you do something one way, uncomfortable, even even if it's just one orientation, you know, Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable. Like I notice if I do left rudder pyros and then I'm driving around inverted, I'm now into my uncomfortable orientation of driving around inverted. I noticed that when I started to learn the forward inverted flight. So, but if I did a right rudder half pyro to inverted. Uh, you know, I was I was in the orientation where now I'm 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 okay driving around. It was weird, and so that's what I mean. Like practice, even though it's uncomfortable, practice both ways because once you start linking stuff together, you're going from maybe something I'm not too happy with to all right, I'm comfortable with this. You know? Yep. It definitely it was how it was for me, man. Definitely was what I experienced, but that's more 
outside the first year of flight. Well, mm-hmm. maybe not. If you're one of those guys, pick this up real quick. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, if you're a kid. You're a kid. Yeah. Kids <laughs> just soak up this stuff and learn so if much quicker. Ethan or Devin, Devin. Or, or half the other kids. I mean, if you look at if you look at all the pro pilots today, they're only like not not to say they're only pro pilots because of but it it was a big part. Like think about all the really dope pilots out there now. They all started when they were a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? Kyle Stacy, Kyle Dahl, Alan Zabo, Danny Zabo. Maxwell. Maxwell for sure. Yeah. I mean a lot of them very young when they started they were very young they started and they've been in it for this many years like say 15 years 20 years whatever i think that's the thing they learn all the orientation all the basic boring stuff as a kid and now they could just run with it and do whatever they want make these helicopters do unbelievable things in the air yeah all right is there anything else for this or should we move on well let's move it on on all right, then. News and announcements. News and announcements. All right. So I know we spoke a lot about it last week about we Roto Live. We speculated. We speculated, yes. now we, we have. We know. <laughs> now we know. We have I don't know what we know, but we know, I guess. Well, this one's in my wheelhouse right here. <laughs> we have a model number. Yeah, so yeah, Goblin Kraken, man. Goblin Kraken. This yes. uh, full spec sheet is out, and... I got to say, you know, there's a lot of flight videos on it. They they flew like crazy in Roto Live between Duncan mm. and Tarek and and um who else was flying it out there? Duncan Tarek. I know there's a couple other folks that had one that were flying out there. But anyways, this new helicopter is out and it it looks pretty cool. Um you know, the the canopy scheme is is very goblin-esque. Uh I do like that the canopy is more like sharp edges sharper edges than a regular rounded mm-hmm. goblin right um so that's pretty cool i like the new font for the goblin they also changed the font that's on the the nose oh, of the yeah, they did. and the crack yep. um i like those two holes in the top of the canopy yeah yeah they got two holes right above cool. the motor um yeah. so so just to quickly go over the stuff i'm just gonna blast off like some of the new features here so it has a new totally new powertrain system that's enclosed in uh it's like an enclosed case, you know. I think there's oil in it and stuff like that. Um, it's different than the old Goblin where they used to have one shaft. Basically, um, your main shaft would have like your your main gear and also your tail pulley and still belted. But this one's different now. There's like a intermediate pulley that goes from your motor to your main gear. And then your main gear has another intermediate pulley that goes from uh, your main gear to your tail pulley. So they're separated now. Well, they're... They're gears inside a gearbox. Yeah, that's what I mean. But there's yeah, oh, and the gears on the main uh into the main shaft or the main gear, sorry. They're saying uh, you know, there's new ultralights, 70, 75 aluminum alloy, rotor head, um, fully adjustable uh blade grip, uh customizable damping system. That's it. Fully adjustable damping system. That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. And I'm not sure like what they mean by f- customizable damping system because the old system is customizable, you just get different dampeners. So, yeah, huh? so I'm curious wonder, to see yeah, what it's like. Mechanics involved, right. yeah. Uh, let's see, new tail case, uh, 22% lighter than the old tail case, new boom, new canopy design. It's a three piece canopy design now, kind of mm-hmm. like a lot of folks were saying, you know, if a goblin may, you know, had kids with a, a 766, this would be, yeah, you know. So, there's your front top canopy, which houses uh, 
your whole transmission system and part of your front battery, part of your battery, your ESC and all that. And then you have like this landing gear portion, which is like the bottom frame of the helicopter. So it's modular. And then you have your tail boom that's supposed to have a newer detachment system for more crash resist, you know, for more crash durability. I assume the part that, because the the whole bottom, it's not really the bottom frame, but the bottom landing gear stuff, it's only attached at the back. So I assume it attaches to like a sacrificial piece, maybe, because I'm oh. sure that's going to break every time yeah. you crash. Yeah, yeah, but it I could be so. a ten dollar part or something that's you mm-hmm. know easy to replace. I don't know. Yeah, but I did want to mention you said twenty two percent lighter on the tail case. Mm-hmm. That's huge because anytime you can take a gram off the tail case, you can take three or four grams off the front. Yeah, to CG it know, better and to make yeah, the so yeah, any any weight off the tail case is a huge benefit. Yep. One of the other things I want to mention also is that they redesigned the whole servo layout. It's not the 120 um, laying down servos like, you know, we're traditionally used to. Um, It's like your two servos in the front, one elevator servo in the rear. And it's weird because the two front servos are in an angle. So from top to bottom, they're angled. And, um, And then the back one is horizontal. And it's not even like mounted low. It's kind of mounted high on this mount. It's it's a little bit different. So until I get my hands on one, building one, and seeing it in person, at least, you know, I can't really make a judgment on it. But it's definitely different. I noticed that they did the same thing that Lynx did on their Oxy Five, on their prototype. Is that they have a a one way, not one way, but the anti rotation bracket is no longer sealed at the top. So oh, okay. if you wanted to unlink your servo arms, not servo arms, but your servo links. And then, like, under your main gear, you should be able to pull the whole main shaft and everything out. I don't know if right. that's the, that's why they designed it that way or what. But um, I did notice that was a little bit different, too. Besides that, you know, it's pretty crazy orange, black, white canopy color set. Um, you know, it comes with the SAB Thunderbolt blades. The Thunderbolt blades are all white now. I don't know if they did that by design or just specifically for this model. So it's a little bit different. They're saying approximately flying weight is uh, 38, 20 grams without battery. Um, I don't know if that's, I don't think that's any lighter overall than like your traditional Black Thunder carbon, I'd say. I think it's around the same way. But it'll be interesting to see. I can't wait to get my hands on one. Um, As soon as I hear that they're up for sale or they're pre ordering, I'm going to put my deposit down or payment, whatever, Mm -hmm. get mine on order. Um, oh boy yeah yeah i mean i got everything except for the helicopter motor and i'll be ready to go so um, i got the rest of the electronics just sitting there waiting for it so um they're saying 520 kv motor mm-hmm. uh 60 and 160 amps yeah all typical. standard yeah yeah that's all typical which it's funny because they're saying esc 160 and i don't know besides castle i don't know anyone currently has a 160 nobody amp esc <laughs> for helicopters you know they list the main rotor diameter with 690 millimeter blades. Do you know what the max? I'm sure length? it's 710. I'm sure right. it'll, or 715. Like it'll run up to the traditional 700, you know, plus or minus, basically so plus or minus 10 millimeter. millimeter. Yeah. yeah. I was so curious. So it's a small 700, Steve? No. <laughs> no. Steve knew I was going to say that. I cannot call it a small 700 when, well, 
No, no, I can't. <laughs> I was going to say, it doesn't share 600 frames like your logo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, all right, so let's see. What else do we have here? How do you even pronounce this? Kaiser Sose? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Kaiser Sose Strike 7. <laughs> yeah, the Sasuke Strike 7. This helicopter is very unique looking. <laughs> you know? It is. It's very unique looking. I don't. I don't know what that carbon fiber piece on the end is. So I think it's just to hold the canopy or something. It looks like it could be boom support. But I don't know. Does the canopy wrap? Yeah, the canopy kind of wraps. I don't know. Like I, I'm not that familiar with this brand, so no. I don't know that much about them. I mean, They're, it kind of looks neat. Yeah, you know? it looks real neat. The frame design the, is very the unique. mechanics and the gear. Tra- it's got a two stage gear mm-hmm. train. And yep. it's all like packed up high and tight. Yeah, dude, it's like and the servos are tight. I mean, mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it has a pivoting head, which is really cool. I like that. Um, look, look at how small the linkages are. Yeah, but look, look at yeah, the linkages are small. The, yeah, the set of gravity the is very servos low. and everything is is uh, oh, is very yeah. high on the airframe. Like all the it's weight very tight. It's up, kind of, up. Pie. Yeah, yeah. Even so, like the way that the, the boom and your, your belt goes through. But look at the following arms or following arm, I should say. Did you guys notice yeah. that? There's a single one there. Yeah. That's pretty unique for Kinda like think a real about helicopter. It. Yeah. And I guess the battery itself tucks up pretty close to the to the line that the main boom yeah, probably you know, the tail boom would come down. Yeah. yeah, that that middle line of the frame. And did see you that. see the push rod, the tail push rod? Mm-hmm. Holy cow. They've always, I think that's kind of been that's, their their unique um, thing. That's beefy, man. Well, not even that. Uh, I was telling I was telling Andy um, before you jumped on, if you look at their Sasex, um helicopters like the DB7, they've never had a traditional push and pull type of tail control rod. Oh, I see. The freaking servo itself is kind of like in a different orientation than usually. Yeah, th- because it's the output of the servo is directly linked to the end of that rod, so it turns the whole rod left and right. The whole rod turns. Yeah. Oh, I see. I can't get a good shot of the uh, tail linkage at the other end. Oh, but I see. Well, it does just pivot in and out. Yeah. So ah, it's a different design, so but it's so simple, right? Yeah. Um, and wow, it's not a carbon rod. I think we watched a video, and it, it is like an aluminum rod they use. But look at the canopy too. It's it's very unique with the slits in the front and how it dimples in on the top. Yeah. It's it's very unique. So I know I know you know we're trying to describe something that's very visual on an audio podcast. But definitely go check out um, on where is it on Facebook. Yeah, you can find it on Facebook. Uh, Ellie, Ellie, I know our yep. buddies at Arrow Panda are the distributor in the United States, so there might be something on their website if you want to check it out. Yeah, so definitely check it out. It's a very interesting helicopter by design. Um, it's just, you know, it's very unique, I would say. Mm-hmm. All right. So cool. we have next. What do we have next? I see oh, the Hensley. The Minicopter Diablo Nitro. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I jumped in. Be, we talked about that a little bit, but we got to see a picture. It looks pretty sweet. It looks pretty much the same as <laughs> Maxwell's prototype. It's yeah. Like, well, I mean, it probably is. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's probably like it's, exact copy. It's very clean and simple and minimalistic, I guess mm-hmm. you would say. Diablos always are. They're very well, like crazy engineering. Like the tolerances of the main gear coming through the frame are insane. Mm. It's like 
millimeters of clearance. What do you think of that that uh, fan shroud just kind of made in the frame, carbon fiber? I think, it's, I think it's cool, man. I like yeah. where the gas tank is placed. I like that it's right underneath the main gear. Um, mm-hmm. So your CG never changes as your flight, as your flight, your fuel get low. So I All think right. that's pretty cool. Other than that, I mean, it kind of seems like the same Maxwell Nitro that we've been seeing. Like, you know, I saw him fly it at Urcha, that past Urcha 2018. And, you know, it's, it's an awesome looking helicopter. Flies great. I mean, he makes, I'm sure he can make everything, anything and oh, everything yeah. look great. But um, it looks really good. I'm not sure on the specs yet. I don't know if we got much info on the specs. I, I didn't really see any specs anywhere, so I don't know. But I'm sure we'll find out in the future. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then we have one more news from Roto Live that we saw. This one's insane. Yeah, Dude. this this is what I found maybe the, I don't know, the neatest, coolest. Uh, it's the Henselet TD... SF TD slow flyer mm-hmm. and we're looking at a a 700 size helicopter that weighs in at like 5.3 pounds that's insane oh my God. that is Darren's dream but now that being said I think that's with a 5S battery and you know small everything it's it's made for low head speed lightweight type stuff it's not a 3d powerhouse i would think Uh i think he's running a 120 amp esc uh 13 and a half degrees of pitch but on a 5s battery so somewhere in the 1100 to 1500 rpm range yep and saying 1500 rpm like i mean it's like sufficient for all three 5.3 pounds like a like a 90 amp what i say 120 yeah. Maybe a 90 amp ESC. Yeah, they're saying 90 amp. Yeah. Yeah, because they're saying um, five, uh, five, let's S. see, peak currents in 5S operation do not rise above 120, even with the pitch at 13 and a half plus yeah. or minus. Yeah, and I wow. misread that. That is that is pretty, oh, man. For like for the pretty folks cool. that like low SB, long flight times, very light Wild characteristics. Yeah. You know, this is like, I mean, a canopy's and, wild. Like, it just yeah, looks like, <laughs> just looks like a 3D printed canopy, doesn't it? looks it? like a net. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a net. Like, just like with trusses. Like, it's just weird. Yeah. It's, you know, it's two colors, so you can see, like, your left and right. <laughs> um, but it's got all the cool Henselet engineering. You know, it's got the linear. The linear drive servo. System. Yeah, the linear drive servo stuff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's a boutique heli. I just think it's cool. Yeah, I mean, like, the tail fin looks like a bent piece of wire. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, the landing gears are, like, just, like, these two little, like, carbon fiber L's, you know? It's, yeah. like, it's very, very minimalist. But, I mean, there's definitely, I think, folks that want something like this. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, like I said, it's not a 3D throwdown machine. It's, uh, I, I imagine it's just got incredible hang time, though. That amount oh, yeah. of weight on 700 size blades. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, see the cutout in the canopy towards the rear? It looks like a leaf. I yeah. guess it's gonna fall yeah. to the ground like a leaf too. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy to some of the things like mini servos. <laughs> you you know? just put put the collective at zero, and it'd probably take thirty seconds to hit the ground. That's just crazy. You can run this on a four S battery. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. And the website also says, Vom Alfred Herr Bischen, Eck Nickelstein, Zustmain, Alron, Fuss What does that mean? You can't afford my helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Uh-huh. CDF. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to cost, but I'm sure it'll be a lot. <laughs> I like that it says, uh, also lateral air resistance decreased by the possibility to consider mechanics without removing the canopy. Only on flight in the rain, you should fall back to conventional TDF or TDR canopy. So I guess it's compatible. <laughs> Uh, with the other canopy designs. Okay. okay um, cool. But, like, I don't know. How often do people fly, like, yeah, in the rain? Yeah, I was going to say, don't buy a TDR and fly it in the rain. A TDSF <laughs> to fly it in the rain, right. <laughs> or just any TDR, right? Any Henslet. Any Henslet, right. Yeah. <laughs> fly in the rain, please. I'm, I'm just curious. to like, wow, this thing could fly on 4S. And it uses, like, mid-size, 500-size servos. Like, yeah. wow. That's impressive that he was able to design this and, and put it to production. That's great. And I love how he's got the uh, grams of everything. Blades, 12 grand. V-Stabby Nevo, Neo, 18 grams. Yeah. Got, like even down to the flight controller. Yeah, he's got special 713 millimeter blades that weigh 125 grams. Per blade, each. yeah. Damn. Versus what, what is normal, like 180 to 220 is your average 700s. So, yeah. Even, even lightweight blades. Wow. That's pretty cool. Wow. Yep. Also, no one-way bearing is provided with this machine because training auto-rotations anyways are not necessarily advisable due to the low mass. So, like, don't auto-rotate Yeah, because it doesn't have any weight to it. For the emergency auto-rotation, however, it will work because the small motor used only has a very... Uh, it has a very small braking torque, I guess, or, like, the magnetic torque of uh, magnetic right. resistance. You know, right. it's, it doesn't have much. Okay. So it can kind of you you know with seven hundred size blades you can fight through the magnetic resistance, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But wow, awesome! I can't wait to see one of these. Uh, yeah, you know, in person. in person. Yeah, yep. might see one at Urcha. Yeah, maybe possibly. he has them out by then. You know how this stuff is. Sometimes it takes a year to get actually get one because mm-hmm. the uh, waiting lists and whatnot. But anyway, all right, let's cool. move it on. All right, what's next for you in the hobby? What's next for you, Andy? Birmingham. Birmingham. What's next for you, Kevin? Florida. <laughs> Is no one going to fly this weekend? Shoot. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to fly a bunch. Well, you are. You're going to fly. I'm going to fly, too. You're going to fly in fly an airplane. You're going to fly commercial. Fly to Florida. <laughs> fly to Florida. Okay, so what am I going to do, you ask? <laughs> yeah, are you going to are you going to be down south, too? No. First of oh. all, I'm going to record the next episode right now. <laughs> so, right. yeah. Um, and then what else? I got to clean up some garage. I want to figure out how to hang some planes in the ceiling. And then I'm off. Just like you, Kevin. Off on an airplane. Oh, but um, right. I'm going a little bit further than Florida, though. I don't know if it's further, actually. You're going to a land where you're going to be one of the tallest guys there. No. Yeah. Really? Aren't you going really? to Ireland? I am going to Ireland, but... There's short people in Ireland. I know the, the no. my my counterpart in Ireland is six foot two. So I'm like, really? Oh, man. Have you seen Conan O'Brien? He's like seven feet tall. Yeah, yeah. but he's been Americanized. Talking about the real <laughs> Irish. <laughs> the real Irish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. Um, yeah. So I'm going to. I'll, I'll be away next week in Dublin. Um, for a week. So we're gonna actually go back to back episodes this week. So I'm going to say we're not going to do the wrap-up this week because we'll save okay. it for next week. 
Let's do okay. it. All right. So I'll just do a quick outro here. Uh, is there anything you guys want to say before I do do the outro? No, I think I'm going to save it for the next episode. Save it for the next episode. All right. All right. So drop us an iTunes review. We'll read the review on the next episode. Email us at free4rc at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash free4rc podcast. Check out our webpage, free4rc podcast show. show. Say hi to Chris Ryber. Hey, Chris. <laughs> flight test forums, off the field, audio video production, other than flight test podcast, free4rc podcast, and next to friends, the FT Community Cast. Mike and Yoda. <laughs> Yoder. <laughs> Yoder. <laughs> <laughs> rcheliheligals.com for him on the RC Heli Hangouts main section podcast corner free for RC podcast and next to our friends RC Heli Hooligans podcast Walt Ned who uh, full pitch podcast Jimmy Jones <laughs> Jimmy Jones Jimmy Yoder Jones <laughs> and Scott and Frank who Scott and Frank uh, Telerotor yeah, podcast who I know right Telerotor is Mike Michael and Robert yeah and they just released an episode we do so. have a new one from them they nice. had Nick Maxwell on talking about rotor blades it was yes Actually, very good. Haven't had Check a chance to listen to it. Hopefully, I will before the next episode, but I doubt it. Very technical, <laughs> but fun to listen to. Nice. Uh, and then our fellow podcasters, the RC After Hours podcast. Yep. Chris, Mike, and Andre. Yep. BKRC podcast. Bert and Kyle. High Voltage. With Bobby Watts. RC Roundtable. Take it, Andy. <laughs> Fitz, Terry, and Lee. Yep. Okay. All right. Thanks to our listeners. Free our skies, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye bye. Well, next time for us is uh, 10 minutes. Maybe 30 seconds. <laughs> we'll take a little, maybe. Really phone? Really phone? <laughs> really? Not even a phone. Sorry. My Apple Watch. Really Apple Watch? Okay. I think you said Siri. We'll take a Siri. Yeah, yeah. We'll take a 10 minute, you know, let's stop the record, save it, and then uh, we'll jump back on. Yeah, so. definitely save it because I don't know what happened. My thing didn't start okay. up. I am saving it now, Yoders. Okay. Say something now. Now, something yes. say excellent, Yoder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he really cares, so <laughs> he's just like, man, just go have fun, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Don't be a dick, mainly. So, how'd you get on the team? I tricked him, uh, same way I got on the just podcast. Like he tricked us, uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>